Hello, and welcome to This Week in the Canadian Revolution, a podcast by Fightback, the Marxist voice of labor and youth. We live in a revolutionary epoch. The crisis of the capitalist system is creating political polarization and instability in every single country, as millions of people look for a way out. The product of this is unprecedented social upheaval and yes, revolution. Now we firmly believe that the crisis of capitalism is creating the conditions for socialist revolution. Yes, even in Canada. The point of this podcast is to provide a Marxist analysis of what Trotsky described as the molecular process of socialist revolution. This week in the Canadian Revolution, we are going to talk about the mass protests occurring in Iran against the regime. Um, uh, yeah, so there's mass protests all over the country that have spread to over 140 cities. This was sparked by the killing of a young Kurdish girl, Masa Amini. Um, yeah, and this has really sparked a mass movement against the, the, the government of the Islamic Republic. And yeah, this is one of the biggest movements in the history of the Islamic Republic. Um, so uh, yeah, there's been big solidarity demonstrations uh, in Canada uh, and all over the world with this movement. And uh, with me today, I have Hamid Alizadeh, uh, editor of Marxist.com, to help us explain the situation and help us understand all of the various aspects uh, of this movement, and more, most importantly, like what we what this movement what we need to do to win, uh, uh, basically, the question of how how this movement can succeed, um, and what we can learn from it here in Canada, and what we can do to support the movement. Um, so yeah, uh, welcome, Hamid. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joe. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to just sort of bring the listeners here up to speed about what what's going on? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um... Yes, so this movement was sparked off by the death of a young uh, Kurdish girl, Mahsa Jina Amini, who was on holiday in Tehran. She lives in, a, in the Kurdish areas of Iran, but was on holiday in the capital, Tehran, uh, where she was arrested for, by, the, by the so-called morality police for not very, wearing her uh, headscarf properly, basically. And shortly thereafter, she was uh, she was pronounced dead, and this immediately sparked off a series of protests across Iran. Started from starting from the Kurdish areas of Iran in the west, but immediately spread to other cities, uh, as you said, to more than 140 cities and towns. In particular, the biggest cities of Iran, which actually haven't seen a major protest for a number for for a few years in fact that's Tehran Mashhad uh Tabriz Isfahan um Karaj and and, and so on and what really uh, struck me and I think a lot of other people who who would have probably been been following this movement from the beginning was the extreme bravery and fearlessness of uh, the people on the streets the young people on the streets most of them uh, as far as I understand, are, are under 25 years of age. But uh, they were uh, acting in an extremely brave and, and radical manner, uh, attacking the police of police forces, the security forces who were trying to repress the movement from the beginning. Uh, in many cases, beating them back, burning down police cars, uh, burning down the offices of Basij, which is like a youth paramilitary force, like a uh, yeah, like a Hitler Jugend has been compared with in, in the past. Uh, Friday prayer offices, burning down pictures of Khamenei, who is the supreme leader, uh, the, the highest uh, obviously office uh, in Iran is basically a dictator in, in Iran. Um, and uh, and succeeding uh, and, and getting away with it in, in, in many cases, in most cases. You had pictures of, of, of young women uh, taking off their headscarves, you know, uh, protesting against these laws in Iran, which basically ban people from 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 wearing uh, from from taking off their headscarves and uh, women from taking off their headscarves in public. Um, and uh, yes, it was it was a very inspiring thing, which I think millions of people around the world agree with, and, and they were following them and cheering them on in some of the Kurdish towns and 
uh, areas, you actually had uh, situations where the masses managed to actually take power and completely eject the regime forces from, from those towns. And I think what this reflects is a new stage in the struggle of the Iranian masses. Uh, and particularly one of the defining characteristics of this is precisely that people are losing their fear. They're no longer afraid of the repressive apparatus of the regime and the state. And also that this, what we also see is that this event has really galvanized a, a massive generalized anger which exists all over Iranian society as uh, against the regime. Of course, the, the death of this young woman was a tragedy, but it is not the only such case. Every year, there, there are many such cases. Uh, thousands of women get, uh, get uh, arrested, beaten up, um, uh, and, and mistreated in, in, in many different ways by, the, by this morality police and by other arms of the state and the regime who oppress people and who restrict their democratic uh, rights. And also another thing which I think was was quite interesting was that from immediately from the first from the get go, this question of uh, the morality police and the the the, the question of women's liberation, uh, the the the, uh, the um, criticism of the morality police and the demand to to abolish it basically was connected to the slogan of death to the dictator which essentially means uh, it's, it's a slogan against the regime as a whole and against the dictatorship uh, as, a, as a whole. Wow, well, thanks. This is really quite significant. Death to the dictator, burning uh, pictures of the supreme leader. I mean, he's the supreme leader. I guess you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> this is, <laughs> I think, the the absolute yeah. fearlessness of the protesters is is significant in a in a country like Iran with a yeah brutal dictatorship. Um, so yeah, that's inspiring in and of itself. But yeah, how has the regime, I guess the next thing then is how has how has the regime reacted to these protests? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Iranian regime is, is a theocracy and a dictatorship uh, of the clergy, essentially. And uh, the way that it normally deals with protests is quite uh, violent. Although sometimes it allows them to a certain extent, but with protests uh, such as these, which immediate, which are openly targeting the 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 the, the regime and, and wants its downfall, it uh, handles with quite a, a a brutal force. However, I would say that immediate initially the regime was in a state of shock. It was completely overwhelmed. It could see that uh, the repression wasn't really working, and the the amount of how to say support and sympathy this movement had it was it was mainly a youth movement it wasn't huge in numbers on the streets so to say but it has enormous support and you saw the regime really being caught off guard and coming out uh, basically apologizing for this death i think the head of the deputy of the morality police in tehran was fired or suspended the president, uh, Ibrahim Raisi, called the mother of this uh, young woman um, uh, and said something on the lines of, oh, your, your, your daughter is like my daughter. I, I don't know what that really means. Um, but it was clear that they were trying to calm things down, which is not normal from a dictatorial regime like the one in, in Iran. It shows weakness. And that's one thing that a dictatorship uh, cannot do. Um, however, then on not the past Sunday, but the previous Sunday, seeing that this movement wasn't dying down, that, that it wasn't being appeased by, by these kind of uh, measures, uh, the regime actually started repressing pretty, uh, pretty heavily, arresting hundreds of young people in particular uh, and cracking down and increasingly using live rounds. There, was, there, were, there were people who were, who were shot down by machine guns uh, on the streets. Uh, and you saw the the number of deaths uh, climbing. I think to today there's well, it's 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 not easy to know because uh, information is not easy to come by. But some people say almost 200 people, more than 180 people have been have been killed. We don't know about that, but definitely it ramped up um, repression uh, after that in the past 10 days. Okay, well, I guess. <laughs> Has this have the des the desired effect? I suppose. Like, is this um, 
mass repression of this movement um, making people keep their heads down? Is it making people go home? Um, because, it, you know, if any mass movement or revolutionary movement or mass protest, the 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 state, the the capitalists and the state, they, you know, they're going to they're going to try to repress it away or make it go away in one way, shape or form. And a lot of the time that does work. People get scared and they go home. So I guess, yeah, related to that, what's what's been the the response from the protesters on the streets when face such brutal repression? Yeah, well, um, well, we have to see what the 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 effects are going to be in the future. But I would say that actually, in a way, it has uh, it hasn't had the desired effect because it's true that the street protests in daylight. Uh, and even at, uh, in the evening sometimes kind of receded after that point. But what you actually saw was a movement entering a more organized phase. And in particular, uh, you had in the universities, um, strikes, uni a university strike being called, which spread to 130 different universities. Uh, and uh, against the arrest of all these uh, student activists, and at and and the, the the these people these young people found out that by organizing in such a local way they could actually gather a critical mass before they could be they could be repressed. So you saw thousands of people gathering in different universities all over Iran, hundreds of universities, uh, and as I said, strikes being called in in 130 of them. Many of them, well, all of them, all of the top top universities, you know, that you would compare to MIT and Harvard and these. They were also participating in this. You've also seen in the past, past few days uh, um, uh, school students uh, protesting in the hundreds and, uh, well, in each in each school, uh, attacking, uh, well, taking their veils off, uh, uh, attacking, you know, shouting slogans against the Khamenei, attacking their, uh, how do you say, principles and, and really, really uh, going on the offensive in a very radical way. You've also had um, the idea of a general strike spreading because people have realized that just by protesting, just by scattered protests, you're not going to achieve what you want and you're definitely not going to stop the repression. So the idea has developed amongst a, a, quite a broad layer of people involved in this movement and, and beyond that what is needed is really a general strike. Now, this is not yet, uh, how do you say, manifested itself, as, but the idea is out there and you've had groups of workers coming out either striking or threatening to strike so you had the the teachers union which is a it is a national ad hoc union uh, of, of teacher activists uh they called a two-day strike there's been the um casualized oil workers union which is an, again a national union have threatened to strike if this regime twice actually if the regime didn't stop its repression and even the contract work oil workers, which which is a group that has not been in struggle at all in the past. I, I mean, I've never heard of them since the revolution, to be honest. There might have been a few strikes, but I have not heard of them. They've even uh, threatened to strike. The truck drivers union is a national truck drivers union has come out and said that uh, they they're calling a national strike. And if anyone, any truck continues driving, they it will be burnt down. This is a this is a this is a um, a statement by the truck drivers and the truck owners union. But in Iran, a lot of people just own their own truck basically and drive, and they're self employed. So uh, I would say that uh, there's there's it's actually managed to strengthen the the movement a little bit because the movement is is thinking more in terms of strategy and tactics and how they can actually win this rather than being this you know. Uh, uncontrolled outburst of anger uh, which is obviously still there there's been widespread discussions about the need for organization for for for, for leadership uh for parties and, and and a general political discussion that's taking place amongst all of the advanced layers of the youth and 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 the working class so that's that's quite important um in the past few days however there's been another more serious uh, crackdown in Sharif University, which is the top university of Iran, the regime basically uh, besieged the whole university and went in there really brutally, uh, uh, beating people up, beating students up, arresting hundreds of them. 
um and we have to see and and there's 16 other universities that, that have now been announced closed and there's similar kind of activities taking place we have to see what effect uh this will have but we also i think it's also worthwhile to notice that all of these crackdowns so far appear to be milder than what we've seen before like in 2000 and in november 2018 there was a there was a movement uh where up to 2000 people were killed and this that movement was probably slightly smaller than this one and it was it, it wasn't in the major cities but it was cracked in some places the regime moved in with helicopters and uh you know the, the army moved in that's not been taking place and i think that would indicate that there's so much support for this movement that the regime is very wary of, of provoking an even bigger uh an even bigger movement although i have to say that in the kurdish areas just in the, just as just around this this question of in the kurdish areas the situation is different and uh, the the movement has gone further there uh, the kurds also have a more militant tradition and here there's a very brutal uh, repression with the armed forces going in with heavy weaponry such as drones and artillery and it's not really clear what's going on there um so, so that's that's the situation yeah okay well so this it seems to be like the sort of potentially the whip of the counter-revolution type idea that they try to repress it, but the repression is kind of radicalized the movement and people uh, haven't really succumbed to fear. Um, and it's forcing people to organize, as you said, like the more advanced layers or there's a demand for organization and this yeah. is all a positive thing. Um, you just what you ended on there, the, the, the Kurdish question. So I guess a couple of questions we should maybe touch on is, um, the young, the young woman who was killed was, uh, was Kurdish. So obviously there's the question of oppression. So the, the question of oppressed groups, like the Kurds and the, and then the question of oppression of women in Iran, which is a central question are, are questions at the forefront of this movement. So I don't know, did you want to say a few words about the role of these questions in the, in the movement? Yeah. I mean, that's obviously what we see a lot of in the West and it is obviously very important questions. Um, women have been at the forefront of this movement uh, in many places, leading protests, leading the movement. Uh, they've been taken off their veils and very brave, uh, you know, uh, uh, how do you say, protests. Uh, they've been leading charges against the security forces in, in, in many instances. Uh, and this is this is uh, probably or one of the most oppressed well, it is the most oppressed layer of the Iranian society because it's doubly oppressed as everyone else, uh, women in Iran. Uh, thousands of women, well, they're they're oppressed in many different ways, but uh, just as uh, Mahsa Amini was, thousands of women are arrested each year, taken to so-called re-education, beaten up and uh, and treated in, in a very bad way. And the regime has, in, in, in fact, enhanced and uh, tightened uh, this the enforcement of these laws for for, for bails and uh, laws against uh, well for the control of women essentially and this is something i mean the oppression of women is something that the regime uses very like, consciously and very well has used quite successfully for a number of years to divide the working class and galvanize support among some of the most backward reactionary uh, layers of society and i think what you also can see in this situation is that the women's question it always comes to the fore in a revolution. How many revolutions have we not seen, which were started and initially led, in fact, by women, the Russian Revolution, the Egyptian Revolution, the Sudanese Revolution. And you see throughout all of these movements, there is, on the one hand, a, a, a process or a pressure from the point of view, from the masses uh, towards higher, higher unity amongst all oppressed layers, men and women and, and, and so on. And at the same time, the regime trying to use uh, this question to to divide it, to foisting, you know, uh, try to, trying to uh, foment division amongst people by playing on these uh, these so-called traditions and uh, these these, these um, you know these these ideas, these chauvinistic ideas, and it's it's in a way similar in relation to the Kurdish questions. Kurd Kurds in Iran, like other ethnic minorities have been oppressed for decades and their areas have been kept underdeveloped um, 
and they've kind of been stopped off resources. The unemployment in these areas is very high. There's very low level of industrialization and general development. They're always second in whenever resources are being divided. They're always at the, at the last, at the, the end of the line, so to say. Um, but what we see here is that, and the regime uses this, the, the, the so-called uh, farce people against the Kurds and against the Baluchis and against the, the Arabs and the, against the, the, the Azeris and, and so on. But um, what we see in this movement is a, is, a, is a widespread solidarity with the Kurdish struggle, widespread solidarity with everyone who's, who's oppressed in Iran. And that really shows the effect of a revolution in, and, and why a revolution is the best way to overcome all forms of of, of, of revolution of uh, sorry of oppression, um, and it, and I've, I think it's one of the uh, how do you say uh, a proof of this is that the main slogan or one of the main slogans of this movement, women, life, and freedom, is a slogan is a Kurdish slogan actually originating in the PKK movement. Um, yeah. Oh, wow, that really. Uh... That really shows that there's this, in a mass movement, there's this kind of natural yearning for unity yeah. across uh, lines, across uh, national lines, across um, uh, well, men and women, different oppressed groups. Yeah. Very, very progressive. That's that's incredible. I didn't know that slogan was actually a Kurdish slogan. I think that says a lot yeah. um, about the nature of the movement and the yeah the progressive nature of the movement. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess moving on because we're gonna run out of time here. There's a yeah. lot, still a lot more to discuss. Um, yeah, so Iran, the Iranian state is a brutal anti-democratic state. The Islamic Republic is, mm. it's not really a republic, obviously. <laughs> but yeah. uh, so obviously the the question of dem democratic demands, um, yeah. the question of democracy uh, is a big thing. Uh, freedoms, you know, obviously mm. it's one of the main slogans for freedom. So yeah, what place is this? Uh, these types of questions in the movement it's uh, um i just want to maybe for the yeah. listeners if people can hear like a little bit about that dynamic you know yeah well i mean the the the, the democratic question is a very important question in iranian society uh and i think what you know what this movement also reflects is the 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 anger that exists throughout society surrounding these questions and it's not just a question of women and minorities is every year everyone is oppressed one way or another and repressed and restricted in their in, in being human beings uh, by 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 the regime. Every year, thousands of young couples, for instance, are arrested and punished, or whipped or beaten up, or so on for being together outside of a marriage. Uh, you can't say or think or write what you want. Elections are almost entirely controlled by the regime. All the media is completely controlled. Workers who try to organize or attack or, imp or imprison them. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, and there is a sense that you cannot breathe in, in, this, in this situation. And obviously that can be very, very uh, depressing uh, in a, for long periods of time. But that sensation actually... Because, turns to its opposite it becomes a revolutionary power a powerful stimulus for movements such as the one that that we're witnessing uh, today okay well well um yeah extremely important democratic demands um and uh, yeah i think the power of the movement um uh the power of the working class of the youth uh that really that's what we need to rely upon to fight for de for democratic demands, I think in a country like Canada, the Canadian government, the imperialists, they they always make all sorts of um, hypocritical statements and gestures about democracy in Iran or China or whatever. Yeah. They don't give a damn about this. <laughs> no, um, you just need to look to their support for Saudi Arabia to understand that. Um, so yeah, I think it's very important for Marxists to understand what is the force that can actually fight for real freedom, for real yeah. democracy. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's why this, we, again, it's important to study movements like this. Yeah, um, yeah we already talked a bunch about economic struggles. Um, I don't know if you, you had anything more to, to, to talk about in terms of the economic situation and yeah. the, the relationship to yeah. kind of the struggle of workers and, 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 and yeah. whatnot in Iran. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't. You can't really separate uh, the economic and the democratic struggles. Um, the the Iranian eco economy is in a complete state of shambles. It's been declining for for a number of years, 
particularly under the impact of Western sanctions. So for all of those people who say that they have the best of Iranians at heart, that, that's an absolute lie. Um, food inflation in, in the spring of this year alone was above 80%. Uh, average inflation in the past three years has been 40%. But these are regime figures which are extremely, how do you say, optimistic or you know uh, made up and uh, 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 yeah, twisted. To, to, to look better than the real situation. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if the real figure is close to uh, double uh, those figures or at least 50% higher. Um, wages at the same time have, have not been rising. Uh, this year, public sector wages rose by around 10%. So imagine being a poor worker, the majority of your, whatever you got left of money goes to food. Food prices go up by 100, 120% and your wage rises by 10%. So that 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 says something and that's that's been going on for a number of years unemployment is really high especially for 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 young people and it's really a desperate situation for everyone even for those who used to be middle class they use they're losing everything they're losing their savings they're losing uh, the, you know the basis for for their lives and uh, and people are literally finding it hard to put food on the table there's talk of people being a generation of people being malnourished uh, one way or, or or another so that, that the situation is very very difficult so has that led to uh labor action like like work, like strikes and stuff like that i know that we've seen yeah. in the last few years and a number of movements uh you mentioned a little bit already um yeah but uh yeah yeah the, the situation as you described is absolutely horrible but yeah yeah, because Dialect, I mean, dialectically yeah. speaking, these types yeah. of situations produce working class, uh, a development of working yeah. class consciousness and yes. and movements, which is the progressive force that can actually transform society. So, yes. yeah, no, absolutely. There's been there's been a rise in, in in protests, and I think what's very interesting is that the protests have been coming from the areas or from layers that traditionally supported the regime. Now, for many years, the regime has been saying, hey, look, the, our problem are the imperialists. And uh, and then they've also been basing themselves on religion. But then in a situation when they're on, under all of this, uh, these uh, external pressures, at the same time, they are busy stealing and looting, you know, with, 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 with arms and legs, so to say. Uh, and these so-called pious people who are extremely corrupt and, and involved in all sorts of the most disgusting things. And so we've seen a whole series of protests which uh, are very new in the past five years this is the first time these layers of poor uh, people from more traditional layers and conservative layers are beginning to move. Uh, in 2018-17, you had a, a, a big movement uh, against cuts to food subsidies. Um, uh, it was, again, tens of thousands of people, mainly in poor uh, rural areas, uh, conservative areas, rose up as uh, young people. Because at the same time that the regime was cutting subsidies to food, uh, they were giving increasing subsidies to these religious foundations, which are really just multi-billion dollar conglomerate, conglomerates. Again, in 2018, you had a massive uh, uh, uprising of the youth in the same areas, but even bigger, uh, against cuts to fuel prices. And that was where the regime uh, intervened very very brutally and, and killed up to 2000 people you've had uh, uh, were a protest of farmers who don't have water because there's water scarcity there's a huge water crisis in iran a few months ago in khuzestan in the arab areas you had a big movement against corruption after the collapse of a, of a, of a very prestigious uh, tower building in, in one of the main cities and most importantly you've had as you said working class struggles you've had teachers you know, in, in Iran for the past 40 years, you ha there haven't been proper unions as such has been state controlled unions. But now you've, so you've seen the we've seen the, the rise of a series of independent unions and national teachers union, which is very radical uh, fighting for better wages, but also better, you know, good quality free education. You've seen oil workers, especially the casual oil workers organizing several strikes, truck drivers and other groups. Uh, and especially, I would say one group that I wanted to highlight was the Haftape sugarcane workers, who've always been kind of a, a known to be a leftist union in Iran. It's one of the few ones that, that have existed in the past decades. But they've kind of seen as a fringe leftist uh, kind of thing. 
but now in the past few years, they have become one of the leading kind of a, a focal point for all struggles and their demands. They've been demanding the nationalization of their company, which they actually won uh, after, after several years of struggle and workers control. These have been their main demands. They have been taken up by students and by other workers elsewhere who've been striking uh, against privatization uh, and so on. So uh, you see that there is a that while the workers' movement has not been very well organized, but once it starts organizing, it's actually beginning to develop in a very very radical uh, direction. Oh wow! Well, that's ho hopefully this move this working class involvement uh continues and connects with this movement um because i really well we'll get to that at the end i guess but that's mm. really what's needed to make this movement succeed and to bring down the islamic republic to bring down the government mm. um uh moving on though um yeah so i guess yeah connected to the government to the to the islamic republic you know it's a, as you described a horrible theocracy theocratic dictatorship, very little freedom, pretty much everyone's oppressed to one degree or another. Um, and you've had many, many movements uh, over the years, and you've just you described some of them today, but the regime is still there, the government is still there. <laughs> How do they do this? How do they maintain themselves? Um, uh, yeah, you want to speak to this? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a very good question. And um... Well, you, you see, we have, for instance, we've had the rise, of, the development of all of these struggles, and they have all been, they've all had very widespread sympathy across all layers. And you can say you're in a situation now where I think probably, well, the, the vast majority of Iranians are vehemently against the regime. But the problem is that these uh, these struggles are not brought together, are not linked together. The struggles of different layers, and there are many struggles. There's in the past five years, there's basically been protest movements almost on a weekly basis in different corners of the country. But these movements have not been connected uh, with uh, with with one another. Um, in the present one, uh, the present movement, we see yes, there is it's on a higher level than the previous ones. There is a there are clearer demands, much more political demands. The movement in general is much more mature. Uh, it's uh, spread to the big cities, which it wasn't before. And there's this important call for a general strike, i.e., to bring in the working class as as the strongest force in society. But it's not yet managed to pull in all these broader layers. And I think that has two reasons. One. One reason is is a is a political. I think there's a sense of hesitancy uh, amongst uh, large layers about where this is going because we, as we see in the West, that Western imperialism is well in words saying that it supports the movement, uh, although it only highlights its democratic uh, uh, side and especially the question of uh, of women, uh, and the movement has not yet shown that it is actually, or has not su sufficiently shown that it is also fighting the same struggle as the others. If, if you look at it, all of these different struggles, whether it's the farmers or the teachers or the oil workers or people who've lost their money in, in banks um, going bust, it's all connected to, to an underlying problem of capitalism. It's all the qu question of the complete impasse of Iranian capitalism. And therefore, in, in order to solve these problems, you have to attack the question at the root uh, I, uh, I, of capitalism. And you need to bring, you need to connect every single one of these, these struggles. Now, the question of the struggle for democratic rights is extremely important, but it can't be separated for the question of uh, the, the political and economic struggle. I, the, the, the movement, and I think a lot of uh, the most advanced workers and youth are realizing this. The movement must raise demands, the demands of the workers, the demands of the farmers, the demands of the poor, the unemployed, and link them all together in, in, a, in a joint united program. Also, the question of nationalization of workers' control, because you see, that's not the program of the West. The program of the West is just continuing the looting and privatization on probably an even even more harsh scale or or, or similar we don't know uh, as the previous regime um and but you you need to de de we need to delineate or the movement needs to delineate itself from other classes and also to prove to to the masses of iran that it's fighting their 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 struggles 
Uh, and then I think there's uh, the, the other question, which is a question of organization, that there is a clear deficiency in the movement, which is natural in a, in a dictatorship where there's no revolutionary organization and so on. Uh, there's there's very little organization, which means that uh, the 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 maneuverability of the movement is less, and also it has it can't really take decisions and carry them out sufficiently. Like for instance, everyone talks about a general strike, but how do you organize it? A general strike can't just be called. I mean, in some instances, it can be spontaneous, but uh, if you want in a situation like this, you need to um, organize yourself so as to how do you say hasten this 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 process. And I think um, what is needed is the setting up of councils in schools, in neighborhoods, in workplaces, everywhere. Democratically elected councils involving all the the the, the people uh, uh, in the areas and in the workplaces and so on and then connecting these on a national on a local regional and, and national uh, level and in fact there are traditions for this in iran because in 1979 uh the iranian there was a revolution in iran back then against the old king the shah and what happened there was that essentially the movement set up this thing called the shoras the councils which ended up taking over the whole well all of the industry the commanding heights of, of the economy the running of the neighborhoods the running of the country uh, as a whole now that revolution was hijacked uh, for, for reasons we can't get into by the people who are presently uh, in power by the by the mullahs by the by the the clergy, clergy who are in power but the but the traditions of that revolution uh, and the lessons from there are extremely valuable and i think there is a process of uh, realization of this and of people looking back and taking uh, up some of these lessons and trying to apply them in Iran as well. Okay, so uh, long story short, the, the regime mm -hmm. uh, maintains itself because they place themselves in opposition to the West, right? In opposition yeah. to imperialism. And then there's been a series of movements that haven't succeeded in proving that they're um, fighting for something different, right? Well, partially, yes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the, the the imperialism, the the threat of imperialism, which is a genuine threat. I mean, Western a real imperialism, threat, yeah. Western imperialism is attacking Iran and is besieging essentially by economic sanctions. Mm -hmm. They have and has been doing so the whole country for for a number of years, and people hate the imperialists as much or even more than they hate their own regime. And therefore, uh, the regime uses this again and again to 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 say, well, you know, if you're against imperialism, we you have to stay with us. So the point is that you need to, what is needed is a is a force that is independent of the ruling class in Iran as well as the one in the West. I we need working class independence essentially. Uh, that's what's what what is what is ultimately necessary. And you linked this directly to lessons from 1979. Yeah. So, yeah, we do not have time to go through what happened in 1979. But one of the issues, I would say, probably the main issue was a failure of leadership and a failure of the the left of the communist movement of the yeah. to put forward an independent working class program. Right. Yes. Um, and I That's think nice that thing. that is a weakness potentially today um yeah. i know from the movement well it's it's probably quite different but the move the the big demonstrations we've had in canada um there is a there is a monarchist presence and there is an imperialist presence there's liberals mm. and conservatives yeah. and they're all calling oh yeah sure women life freedom and Profits. They don't mention that, but that's what they really mean. Yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. want to get their claws in there, right? Um, so, but I'd say yeah. the vast majority of all the people in the demonstration, they don't want that. They don't want imperialism. No. They don't want a new Shah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. really, the lesson because... from 1979 and the lesson for today is to put forward an independent working class revolutionary yeah. program yes. to broaden the movement out to all the layers of the population, undermine the regime while simultaneously blocking the road to any imperialist involvement no yes. that sums it up i don't know <laughs> yeah more or less i mean although we have to be a bit careful because in the west uh the movement is different than in iran 
in Iran, the, 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 the monarchists, I don't think they have as much support. That could change if the movement go dies down uh, or there's, there's no alternative develop. At a certain stage, they could gain some influence. We don't know that. But at the moment, I wouldn't say it's so much. Uh, in fact, what is holding back the movement, as we just talked about, is the fact that a lot of people are very suspicious against the monarchists who are in bed with the, the imperialists and who, in fact, are not calling for an end to sanctions, but for more sanctions, if, if, if anything, uh, against Iran. Um, so that is, uh, that's, uh, uh, that is absolutely clear that we need to have a clear uh, class position. There's, a, there's some people who say, oh, we just need to unite all forces because we need to be as many people as possible. Well, this is not, this is, th that kind of math doesn't, doesn't work here because uniting with the monarchists can mean two things. A, what's happening now is uh, if, if the movement is somehow seen as belonging to the monarchies, which is also what the, what the regime wants to give the impression of, uh, then a lot of people won't actually join it because they, because they see it, that their interests are diametrically opposed. Or B, if the monarchies actually manage to, to, to hijack this movement and, and, and gain some sort of uh, real influence, it would mean the watering down of the demands of the of the of the movement to some bare cosmetic uh, demands that wouldn't change anything fundamentally, which is exactly what happened in the 1979 revolution. You had a bourgeois monarchy, which and there was a revolution against that. The workers had power, but their leaders essentially gave power to another wing of the ruling class, which yeah, you had you have you know now you have a ruling class with with, with a beard, but it didn't really fundamentally change things for people. Okay, well, before we get into, I think we need to get into the question of the monarchists a bit mm. more and uh, Reza Pahlavi. Um, mm. But before we get into that, I just want to take a very short commercial break uh, as is tradition. So yeah, you're listening to This Week in the Canadian Revolution, a podcast by Fight Back, the Canadian section of the international Marxist tendency. We have uh, two publications. We have Fight Back, uh, marxist.ca, which is uh, our English language publication. And we have uh, La Riposte Socialiste, our French language publication, uh, marxist.qc.ca. And yeah, with this past week, we've had uh, nine new subscribers. Oh, sorry, seven new subscribers. We've had seven to fight back and one to La Riposte Socialiste. So I'm just going to name this out. We have David. We have two Dav Davids. David, David, uh, Cameron, Devish, uh, uh, Sukman, uh, Devin and Anna uh, subscribing to Fight Back and Samuel subscribing to La Riposte Socialist. So thank you, comrades, friends, supporters for supporting uh, the Revolutionary Workers Press and helping us expand our subscribers base. subscriber base. And I appeal to anyone listening to this podcast, if you want to support what we do, if you want to support building the forces of Marxism and getting a Marxist analysis, a working class perspective to uh, people in Canada, uh, please go to our website, marxist.ca, marxist.qc.ca, and subscribe to our papers. Uh, and if you really want to support us, I, I recommend you get a monthly, you, you contribute monthly, and it helps us produce this podcast. It helps us produce uh, our papers, our website, and it helps us uh, uh, get a socialist perspective into the movement, into the movement, into the Iranian movement, into the movement, the workers' movement, the youth movements, uh, you name it. Um, yeah, so please go to our website and please uh, please support us. Um, yes, back with Hamid talking about the movement in Iran. Yeah, so the question of the monarchists, uh, you said that, yeah, it, you know, they probably have more support. They definitely, well, I think that's tr true. They definitely have more support in the kind of diaspora, <laughs> uh, especially in a country like Canada, than they do in Iran. Um, but yeah, what, so I guess how much support do the monarchists have in general? Like, is Pahlavi seen as an alternative? I see a lot of crap on social media and people in the demonstrations kind of arguing that, um, or, you know, somewhat, somewhat, I, the bourgeois media definitely sort of put it forward as, as the alternative. But mm. I guess the question is how much support does that have amongst the masses? Do people actually see like a new Shah as an alternative to the Islamic Republic? Mm. Um, I, I'm well. I mean, it's it's difficult to gauge. Obviously, I'm not in Iran, and uh, information is not easy to come by. But 
I doubt that we're at that stage at the, at the moment. Um, I doubt that there is widespread mass support uh, for uh, the the, the uh, for Pahlavi. Um, however, uh, it is also true that it's the only alternative that's been proposed. So it's the only kind of viable alternative to this regime, which is being being actually proposed to anyone. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're going to come to power now. But it means that it, that shows the weakness of the of the movement itself, that there is no leadership that can actually offer a proper alternative. And that is a, uh, that is a big weakness of the regime. The, the, the people on the streets can say what, what they want. Everyone can agree with them. But that fact is has a well is a, is a huge inhibitor for the movement to move forward. The fact that there's no leadership to discernible leadership that can that can say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And these are the people who, who will come and, uh, and take power. And I think that's something which is being discussed in a lot of places in Iran, There's, uh, especially amongst leftist organizations, which there are many of underground, uh, small you know, reading groups and discussion groups and, uh, and so on. Uh, and they're discussing precisely this. This needs to be, this problem needs to be solved sooner or later. Uh, otherwise, it will become a big obstacle for the Iranian revolution uh, in, in the future. Um, yeah, so obviously we argue that. We argue that the movement needs to put forward an independent working class uh, uh, perspective, socialist perspective with clear demands and a revolutionary mm -hmm. program, um, which you can read on our website. You can read articles by Hamid and by other comrades uh, on Marxist.com detailing this. Um, but yeah, you said that there's, I mean, how much do we really know about that? Uh, there's revolution, some revolutionary groups forming, I guess, suppose in some areas and campuses, small groups uh, probing in this direction. Um, I know we've detailed a little bit of this on the website. Do you have any more details about this of like the possibility of, of this sort of mm -hmm. thing coming, coming together? I guess that's always very difficult to tell. Well, I mean... Well, yeah, it's impossible to tell. I would say there are probably hundreds, if not more, maybe maybe going above a thousand small groups um, and, and medium-sized groups uh, of left-wing activists, communists, socialists uh, in Iran, uh, operating on you know on a different on different levels. Um, of course, in a situation of a dictatorship, it's very difficult for these groups to build a big uh, a big presence. Although it's not impossible, it's been done before, but so but obviously these these are underground conditions, so we can't really know what's 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 going on. But one thing is clear that if there is a movement that actually succeeds overthrowing the Islamic Republic, you will see a flourishing of communist and socialist groups. I mean, you saw that after the seventy nine revolution, after the fall of the Shah, you saw these enormous groups coming, growing from a couple of hundred to hundreds of thousands of members overnight, more or less. Many of them, in fact, not just one. Uh, and that potential is also is also there in Iran. Uh, our task at, as Marxists is to help prepare these forces, uh, to prepare the forces of Marxism, help build a revolutionary organization, a party essentially, uh, as soon as possible. Because, the, as I said, the question of leadership is the key question. Yes, there are many people in Iran who want to, who, who are interested in these ideas. They're looking for these ideas. They're looking for a genuine way out of this dead end of society and a, a, a radical way forward, essentially. And they're looking to Marxism. So our task is to provide with these ideas, provide these, these people with these ideas and help them, help them organize, uh, essentially. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, as you said it, I guess the question that I come to, we're near the end of the podcast here, but it's like, what what can we do? Mm. Like, what can be done? Uh, I talked to a couple of Iranian kids that wanted to go back and fight, you know, mm -hmm. uh, understandable sentiment. I, I, I kind of said, I'm not sure that's the best idea currently. Um, but yeah, yeah, what can, what can Marxists do? And I guess you kind of hit the, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Like we, we, we prepare, right? What What is needed is revolutionary leadership. And so I think anyone that's listening to this podcast, that's, that's, that's following us, uh, and you haven't gotten involved, like, 
you, you got to get you got to reach us whether you're Iranian or, or not <laughs> um, we need revolutionary leadership in every country we live in a revolutionary epoch um, we live in an epoch in which capitalism is in a deep crisis um, and the crisis as you've explained is is all the worse in a country like Iran because of the sanctions placed on Iran by imperialism and so people are radicalizing people are waking up politically like you've detailed in the last few years there's been these movements in areas where you didn't know there were normally bastions of support for the regime and they're starting to wake up politically so inevitably there are layers of the population all over iran all over the world um that are developing more advanced conclusions and starting to organize and you know socialism is I believe socialism doesn't happen randomly. It's not, it's not, it, it is a conscious process. And we, we, if, if really what socialism is, is, is working class people. It's not just replacing one regime with another. It's not just replacing one, the Islamic Republic with a new Shah backed by imperialism. That's maybe, maybe not as brutal in some ways, but more brutal in other ways. <laughs> um, uh, more privatizations probably. Um, so socialism is not about that. It's not about replacing Donald Trump with Joe Biden. <laughs> it's not about replacing uh, Justin Trudeau with Pierre Polyev. It's not about replacing um, who's the new conservative leader in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> Liz Truss. Liz Truss with uh, with uh, Sir Keir Starmer. Um, yeah, and it's not about replacing the Islamic Republic with the Shah. With a new Shah, as I said, it's about working class people taking control of society and that's real democracy right that's real uh that's how we really fight against oppression and exploitation and that is a conscious process and i think fusing together all these advanced elements with a conscious program so we can put forward an independent working class socialist perspective is is the priority for people like you anyone can run around in the movement like a chicken with your head cut off fighting and there are many movements we're not we don't have a shortage of movements today Think you're going to have this isn't the last movement that we're going to see in iran even if this if this movement doesn't succeed it could succeed in overthrowing mm -hmm. the islamic republic but as you've detailed that doesn't mean that you're going to have something better <laughs> unless mm. we put forward something better so mm. i think we need to prepare um revolutionaries and train revolutionaries in marxist theory history um and yeah organize uh to put forward that independent socialist perspective um but yeah so i don't know this is kind of connecting to the end of like what is to be done um mm -hmm. i guess do you, i don't know do you have anything else you want to add here on just to, just to finish off of like what we can do and and what needs to be done mm. for the movement in iran in particular to win yeah well uh i mean no i agree with the, with what you said i think what's ultimately what we need to look at here is that ultimately the question that the regime that we have today, the, the regime of the clergy and the regime of the Shah before them, before the, the 79 revolution, which the you know the Reza Pahlavi is now claiming was a you know ultra-liberal democracy, and <laughs> which it wasn't. That was a very brutal dictatorship. Uh just with a with with in a, with different how to say a different type of symbolism. Um, they were dictatorships, and I think probably you would also if you have another capitalist uh, regime coming to power in this situation in this economic situation on a world scale and in iran uh it wouldn't change much it would move in the same direction because a dictatorship is necessary where uh, where how do you say uh, it's, a, it's, it's necessary for the ruling class to maintain its power uh, that is why the dictation is, is here, because it can't, you know, in the West, you have a different sort of dictatorship. You have a, a bourgeois democratic dictatorship, you can say. You, you give some concessions, some democratic concessions, and you can kind of fool people in a way uh, to play along because they feel like they are a part of it. They feel like because they vote and therefore they are, are responsible for what's taking place in society, although that's not true. But in a country like uh, Iran, the problem is you you cannot uh, give those concessions because if you give democratic rights to people, they will start demanding 
the the living standards to increase and the lives to get better and the system cannot provide that in a country like Iran that is that that's why there is a need for a dictatorship and therefore whichever other uh, bourgeois uh, regime comes to power after this one if another bourgeois regime comes to power uh, then it will inevitably in the given economic situation it will inevitably move in the same direction the problem is capitalism. The problem is a system, which a system which cannot satisfy the needs and aspirations of, of the masses, uh, and that will not change if if this Shah, uh, the, the the son of the Shah Reza Pahlavi, uh, come comes to power. Um, so ultimately, the struggle must be against capitalism, like else, like everywhere. And we see what we see in Iran is a particular particularly concentrated expression of the crisis of capitalism which we see everywhere in the world and we see a similar reaction to it everywhere else in the world is that we see mass movements working class moving uh, beginning to move in, in more and more countries uprisings revolutions um and the the main question everywhere is the same is a is a question of leadership and a and a question of a program now the only program i think which can actually satisfy the needs and aspirations of the iranian masses and and people elsewhere is a socialist program and it's not we're not saying this because you know we think marx had a good idea or socialism sounds clever but it's on the basis of uh invest uh, how do you say uh, uh looking at past revolutions of the history of class society and uh, generally by analyzing capitalism it becomes clear that all of the, you know, we have a society where there's billions of people, millions in Iran's case, with billions all over the world, who are more than willing to work, who have qualifications, who want to be productive. And you have these incredible uh, productive forces, big factories, technology, AI, and, and, and so on, which can together, these can solve all the problems of humanity, of homelessness, of even of the, the the climate, you know, of uh, hunger, unemployment, uh, diseases that kill millions of people unnecessarily every year, and but it's not working because this society is not run for the benefit of society and for the benefit of the majority, but it's run for the benefit of the profit of a tiny, tiny little minority, and that's the same situation in Iran as elsewhere, and as long as that doesn't change then the conditions of, of, of the masses uh, will not fundamentally uh, change either. So the task, I think, what is to be done is to develop an organization, a leadership based on such a program. Uh, and the field is wide open for our ideas. Now, as the IMT, as the International Marxist Tendency, where we are from, obviously, we are not, uh, I'm not on the ground in Iran, <laughs> neither are you. The masses in Iran have shown uh, enormous uh, creativity and heroism. But what we have is, which is very valuable, is the ideas of Marxism, the concentrated essence of the experience of the working class throughout its, his, its history. And that is a very powerful tool. And our task is to develop uh, an organization that can disseminate these ideas everywhere. And of course, for us, it's not a question of Iran. We, capitalism is not is, is not is international. The working class is international. This, our struggle is international. So, if people want to help the struggle in Iran, is to join a revolutionary organization where they are and support the fight against capitalism everywhere. Because a victory for the workers in one country is 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 also a victory for workers elsewhere. And in particular, in the West, what is our task? Well, our task is to fight our imperialism, trying to intervene in, in Iran and in the Iranian uh, revolution, trying to impose these sanctions and, and so on uh, against Iran. And that's an equally important part of the struggle uh, of, the, of, of, the, of the Iranian masses. And of course, as we build, that will also uh, help our experiences, our organization, our development will also help revolutionaries in Iran. And of course, if you are in Iran, then you should also join us. You can contact us on our website uh, and so on. Um, and 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 help us fight for these ideas. 
Well, thank you very much, Hamid. I think that that does it. Uh, thank you thank for explaining you. the situation in Iran and, and, and what we can do about it today. Um, yeah, so if you are interested in getting involved, like like we've said a number number of, number of times, uh, contact us. Um, if you want to discuss more, if you are in Toronto, where I am in, we actually have an event tonight, which I'm just going to plug right now, and you should really come out to that. Um, so that's at 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern time tonight in Toronto at University College at 15 King's College Circle, room 179. And we will have some Iranian activists in our group explaining the situation and learning the lessons from it. And everyone's welcome, questions, interventions. Um, and hopefully out of that, yeah, more people can get organized in fighting uh, against capitalism um, uh, and fighting to build the forces of Marxism so that we can win. Not You know, this is not just an isolated revolutionary struggle. This is a, This is a struggle that is occurring in an epoch in which we're seeing working class people, young people wake up and start to struggle. And, uh, and I firmly believe that uh, if, if we organize together, um, we will win the struggle in our lifetimes. Um, so yeah, I appeal to people to come out to the event tonight to learn about the struggle in Iran and to, uh, to learn about the struggle for uh, socialism. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to This Week in the Canadian Revolution, where we analyze the events of the class struggle, the turbulence and polarization brought upon by the crisis of the capitalist system in order to prepare activists for the coming revolutionary events so that we can fight back and build socialism in our lifetime. You can find us at marxist.ca and we will be doing this podcast every week. So we hope that you tune in again.